What's going on, guys? It's Nick here. Back with another video. It's Thursday. Time to go game by game. Talk about the players I would be starting and sitting this week. First up, we've got tonight's game. Bucks at Bills. 42.5 point total. 8.5 point home favorites are the Bills. For the Bucks, uh, this should be considered a pretty negative matchup overall since they're massive road underdogs. Playing in Buffalo just in general is a difficult game environment to play in. However, matchup-wise, it's a relatively neutral matchup all around for fantasy scoring. Uh, and it's actually um, a pretty big positive for running backs in terms of yards per carry allowed with Buffalo allowing a 25% boost to yards per carry. Will Tampa Bay be able to take advantage of that? Kind of remains to be seen. My guess is no, but it's at least possible that White, you know, finally has a good all-around game this season. I think it was week two he had a pretty good game, but in general, been kind of tough sledding for him this season. He's been the clear lead back. I don't want to say featured, but close to featured back for the Bucs. Uh, been great in the receiving game. It's just those rushing numbers have not been great. Maybe it helps this game, but again, you know, massive road underdogs. Not a spot we're expecting 100 yards. Rashad White. Um, he is my favorite pick on the Bucks side, though. Uh, he's a low in running back two this week. A pretty solid play if you've been using him. There's no reason to not play him in this spot. Behind White, really only looking at Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, both playable as low and wide receiver twos. Remember, Thursday games, don't put people in the flex. So if you're going to play them, play them at wide receiver two. Uh, they're both averaging around 14.5 expected full PPR points per game which is, you know, basically where I'm projecting them at this week, and that makes them, again, low-end wide receiver twos. Then for the Bills, a uh, pretty plus matchup for the wide receivers, negative one for the running backs, Diggs, Allen, always must starts. I'll throw Kincaid in there this week, too. Knox had wrist surgery, so Kincaid should be out there for all the snaps that he can handle, should be able to rack up enough receptions to finish the tight end one. His scoring chances are also elevated with Dawson Knox out the real decision here comes with James Cook and Gabe Davis. It's a bad matchup for Cook, and the targets have been down recently, so that's not amazing. But I'm still projecting him for 17 total opportunities. He'll get enough work on the ground. You know, they're going to score enough points as a team to where, you know, more than a touchdown home favor as a running back in at least not a brutal matchup. He's a pretty good play at running back too. And then Gabe, same thing I say every single week. He's never going to project amazingly, but he's got three touchdowns in their four home games so far. He always has 30 points in his range of outcomes. He's only my wide receiver 46 this week. That's an average projection though. He can have a really bad game like he's kind of had recently, but he has such you know a high weekly ceiling that if you've been using him in the flex, I don't see why you would change things up this week. Whatever you've been doing, I would just keep doing it. Nothing about this match that makes it say gotta play or gotta not play if it's been different what you've been doing. And Latavius Murray, uh, running back 42 this week, he's gonna need to score a touchdown to be worth starting. I'm only projecting him for eight carries, two targets. You know, Thursday night game. I don't know. I don't think you need to play Latavius Murray. Let's do a really deep league. No London game this week. So Sunday games kick off at 1 p.m. Eastern. Eagles at Commanders, 43.5 point total. Eagles, 6.5 point road favorites. For the Eagles, this is the perfect matchup for A.J. Brown. We already saw him go off in this spot earlier this year. 
Commanders allowing a 20% boost to yards perception. Uh, they force things downfield. A.J. Brown has been really the best wide receiver in the NFL this season, um, just in terms of, I think it's like yards per route run. He's number one. Obviously, you could argue like Justin Jefferson went healthy. Tyreek Hill's having a better season than A.J. Brown. But if you snack A.J. Brown up against every other wide receiver, he's been just as good on a per route basis. Uh Matchup means very little for the Eagles. They can erupt in any spot, but it's a good spot for this passing game. Hertz, Swift, Brown, Smith, Dallas Goddard, all must starts in my eyes. Same thing I say before. Not all of them will go off every week, but all of them have good enough um, opportunity shares or good enough players where you just got to be playing all of them this week, but especially wide receivers. Commanders have been ripped apart by wide receivers this season. And I know Devonta Smith particularly has had, you know, not the greatest games recently. He's going to hit big soon. Could he be the one that hits instead of AJ Brown? Absolutely. I just think both have such a ceiling that you need to play both of them. Then for the commanders, uh, it's a negative matchup all around. They are big time underdogs. Uh, I'm only projecting them for 2.1 offensive touchdowns, which is not terrible. Like 2.1 is still higher than a lot of teams this week and not a lot of teams. It's higher than a number of teams this week. Over two is at least okay. Once you go below two, it's like, yikes, right? Uh, but the Eagles have also forced a 13% decrease to yards per carry an 8% decrease to yards per reception. And the big issue is sacks. Sam Howell's on pace to shatter the sacks taken record. And a matchup with the Eagles isn't a spot where you expect that to reverse. Sacks also kill drives, right? When you start off, even if you get that sack on first down, it's second and 19, second and 20 after the sack a lot of the times. It's really difficult to convert, especially against a good defense in that spot. And so if that keeps happening over and over again, against an Eagles team that has no problem in the second half having a 9- or 10-minute drive and just draining the clock, that's really, really bad. It speaks to the floor on a lot of these players. McLaurin, my wide receiver, 33. Brian Robinson, running back, 34. Logan Thomas, tight end, 20. Dotson, Samuel, both outside my top 50. I would be fine benching all Commanders players, uh, but again, McLaurin Robinson are the best options, but even them, they're just low-end options this week. Next up, we've got the Saints at the Colts, 43.5-point total, Colts 1.5-point home favorites. For the Saints side, the Colts are a neutral to negative matchup on a per-play basis. The thing is, the Colts give up a ton of plays. They've allowed the most plays per game in the NFL this season, so even if they're not horrible on a per play basis on defense if you give teams a million chances they're going to score some fantasy points so Kamara Olave both must starts uh just given the incredible volume they've been seeing on their team plus the matchup elevating volume in general you have to play both of them I know Olave had a bad game he had 15 targets you play people getting 15 targets. And then Michael Thomas, okay in the flex, better definitely in full PPR formats. Uh, Shahid, boom bust option, maybe that like wide receiver three spot or maybe that second flex spot. I don't think you need to play Shahid this week, uh, but if you need the upside, go there. Uh, and if you need something at tight end, it's not really a week for fringe options. We have zero teams on by, so you shouldn't be trying to like, you know, figure out tight end on the waiver wire. Like you should probably have your general tight end that you've been using. Uh, but if you had to play Taysom Hill, 
most likely outcome is like four to five carries, one to two targets, maybe a pass attempt. That can combine to get you around six or seven points if you need that. Always has a chance of stealing a rushing touchdown. Uh, but again, in a week with no buys, you probably don't need to play him. Uh, and then I would not play Derek Carr. On the Colts side, uh, the Saints are a negative matchup overall. Basically, no matter how you look at it, um, points allowed to each position, yards per carry, yards per reception, catch rate, DVOA, like I don't care what you look at. It's a poor matchup for the Colts. The thing is, it was last week too. They played the Browns last week. The Browns are also an incredible defense. Uh, they got super lucky last week, right? I mean, Pittman had a 75-yard reception on busted play. Uh, we had blown coverage on Josh Downs. Let's him get open for 60-yard touchdown. Uh, besides those two plays, they did not do a ton on offense, especially in the passing game. But it goes to show you, those sorts of things can happen even against really good defenses. So they can still do well. Um, they're not great plays in this matchup, but you can still play them. Um, I would definitely play Jonathan Taylor, though. Uh, he had a 50% snapshot last week. That's been trending up. He looked really good. 120 yards on 21 touches, 22 opportunities. Um, again, I would play him early back, too. And then Moss is my running back. 25 right now certainly playable but a lot of downside to his projection uh, i'm basically just every week going to project a little bit more to go towards taylor and away from moss but who knows they could have a week where they open up and it's 75 percent taylor 25 percent moss and now you definitely can't play zach moss does it happen this week i don't think so but it could and so there is downside to moss's projection because they're also probably not going in the reverse they're probably not being like oh 75 percent to moss 25% to JT, that wouldn't make any sense. So I would play JT. I probably would bench Moss, but you definitely can play him. Uh, and then again, Pittman, Downs, they're both going to grade out in like the 30s for wide receiver because it's a bad matchup, but that means you can play them in the flex. Next up, we've got Jaguars at Steelers, 42-point total. Jaguars, two-and-a-half-point road favorites. For the Jaguars, uh, at Pittsburgh, it's just a difficult place to play. It's a tough game environment for opposing teams, but... They've been destroyed by wide receivers this season. They've allowed a 19% increase to yards per reception. Week one, Ayuk had eight for 129 and two. Week two, Amari Cooper, seven for 90. Week three, Adams, 13 receptions, 172 yards, two touchdowns. Nico Collins in week four, seven for 168 and two touchdowns. Zay Flowers in week five, five for 73. Puka last week, eight for 154. The question is not, like, if someone's going to go off for the Jaguars, it's who? Is it going to be Ridley? Is it going to be Christian Kirk? Um, recent trends, recent, you know, who's been good, indicates it's going to be Kirk. He's got a 3% higher target share on the season now. But most of the wide receivers I just mentioned also operate mostly as X receivers, outside wide receivers. That's how they've been using Calvin Ridley. So it would actually make sense, given who we've seen go off in the past, that it would be Calvin Ridley this week that would be the one to go off. Ultimately, it's going to come down to who hits for big play, something that's difficult to predict. Uh, so I think one of them is going to have a really good game. I honestly don't know which one it's going to be. And that means I would just start both of them and hope you have the one that goes off. Uh, and I would say, honestly, like Lawrence, Etienne, Ingram, all must start. I'd play all those guys. Um, I would play Ridley and I would play Christian Kirk. Like it's not a amazing spot for everyone, but it's a good enough spot. They'll have good enough volume. I would play all of them. 
Then on the Steelers side, uh, the Jaguars are a negative matchup for running backs, a plus matchup for wide receivers and tight ends. So with Najee and Warren really struggling this season, neither one of them grades out as anything more than like a low-end running back too and someone that you could definitely bench if you needed to. If it was like 50-50 between one of you know Najee and Warren and another running back, I don't think you need to play Najee or Warren. Pickens grades out uh, best among the wide receiver court, but... Uh, especially with Pat Fryermuth still out. I would play both Deontay and Pickens, and I wouldn't be surprised if like Deontay had a week this week. Because remember, he only has one and a half games. He gets injured halfway through week one, returns last week. So we don't have a huge sample size this season of his production. Uh, and it's why you kind of have to look at some of like you know his previous production when projecting into this year. But we could see a classic 10, 11, 12 target game from Deontay. And then when we look at projections the following week, now we're like, okay, yeah, Deontay's projecting as a target hog. We're taking a little bit away from picking. So we could see a little bit of variance to like what we're going to project after this week, given that, again, we only have one and a half games as a sample of these two playing together this season. Uh, but I would just play both of them because Pickens has been really good. And we know Deontay's a great wide receiver. And we know they're probably going to have to throw the ball in the spot. Behind them, you're not starting the backup tight ends, uh, and you're not starting Kenny Pickett. Next up, we've got the or tied for lowest total game of the week, Jets at Giants, 36.5-point total, Jets 3-point road favorites. For the Jets, uh, the Giants are the fourth best matchup in terms of yards per carry allowed, fifth best matchup in terms of yards per reception allowed. The Jets do not project for that many plays, but, um, and also not many touchdowns. Like again, this neither one of these sides in a 36 and a half point total is going to project for many touchdowns or many plays. You usually have lower play totals in these lower total games, but uh, efficiency should be on their side. Efficiency in air quotes, because it's efficiency for the Jets who are an inefficient offense. But I would just say you've got Brees Hall, You've got Garrett Wilson. You've got a matchup that really says when you get the ball, you should be efficient. Both good enough players. I'd play both of them. But because of the plays, the total, the team, I would stick to those two. Wouldn't go to any other players. Uh, and then for the Giants side, awful matchup for the wide receivers. Neutral for running backs, plus for tight ends. Not the end of the world for the Giants because that's how they want to move the ball. They want to use Saquon. They want to use Darren Waller. They want to mix in the wide receivers. We saw Wandale take a really big hit on his target share last week. So it's an even bigger case this week of you don't need to start any Giants wide receivers because all of them are going to mix in for a few targets in a horrible matchup for wide receivers. Start Saquon. Start Waller. I don't care who plays between Daniel Jones, the other quarterbacks. Don't play any of the quarterbacks in this spot. And I wouldn't even care whether whoever starts a quarterback for the Giants, it's still start Saquon, start Waller, don't play anyone else. Texans at Panthers is up next. 43-point total, Texans three-point road favorites. For the Texans, uh, the Panthers are a plus matchup all around, but they're most easily attacked with running backs. Unfortunately, we have some question marks in terms of the Texans running back split. Pierce was the lead back all season. And then even after kind of splitting and even having a little bit less than half of the workload two weeks ago before their bye, he's still 14th in expected points per game and percent of teams running backs expected points per game over the last four weeks. So he's been seeing really good volume, but before the bye, he got out snapped by Devin Singletary and then Singletary actually had one more opportunity than him. That sort of came out of nowhere because you know, the split had been pretty consistent until week six. And then, you know, 
even looking at it and being like, okay, well, Pierce has been bad, so you should expect a changeup. Well, so has Singletary. Like, Singletary hadn't been good leading up to that point. So it was a little bit weird seeing that. Um, hopefully, we get some sort of clarity this week on what the split is going to be moving forward because it's a matchup I'd like to attack. Uh, but if we don't know how they're going to split things, that leaves a really, really low floor. And if they're going to be splitting at 50-50, the ceiling is also sort of taken away. Right now, I have Pierce at running back 27, Singletary at running back 47, uh, but again, you know, that could shrink throughout the week. We just kind of have to see what beat reporters are saying. As for the pass catchers, Nico, Tank Dell, both really, really playing well this season. Um, both can definitely be used. Nico's a quality wide receiver too. Dell is only my wide receiver 45, so more of like a second flex play, more of a very low end um I guess a low-end wide receiver three or like a fourth wide receiver in that flex spot if you're in a three wide receiver league. Uh, but he's a rookie coming off by in close to the second half of the season in a good matchup. Like, I think you can definitely play Tank Dell this season. I would not be afraid to use him. And then finally, Dalton Schultz, CJ Stroud, um, both quality tight end streaming options this week. Neither one of them is some amazing play, but both are set up to have pretty good games this week. And like with Tank Dell, you know, Maybe they're not players you're thinking you have to play, but if you did, you had to play them, you could definitely do a lot worse. Then for the Panthers, um, I'm assuming Miles Sanders will be back. He's practicing on Wednesday. But honestly, uh, Chuba played well enough to kind of force at least some level of split this week. The Texans are technically a smash matchup for running backs, but that's because teams score a million rushing touchdowns against them. Two in three Offensive touchdowns against them have been rushing. That is the second highest rate behind the Rams. On a per-play basis, they've actually forced a 5% decrease to yards per carry and are only slightly below average in DVOA for rush defense. So per-play, not a you know amazing spot for these running backs, but the rushing touchdowns coming on the ground would be great if you had Sanders at Chuba. Right now, I have Sanders as running back 21, Chuba 35, but again, we'll see what beat reporters are kind of saying is what that split should be. It could, you know, be a little bit smaller uh, come Saturday and Sunday. Behind them, you're really only looking at Adam Thielen. He is 12th in expected points per game this season, has seen a monstrous 24.5% target share. He's been by far their best wide receiver, and he should definitely be in your starting lineup every single week that he doesn't have a horrible matchup, even in a slightly negative spot this week. I would play him. No other Panthers wide receivers viable. You're not starting Bryce Young, and I would not play any of the tight ends. Next up, we've got Patriots at Dolphins, 47-point total. Dolphins, 9.5-point home favorites. For the Dolphins, uh, New England leapfrogged Seattle, now allowing the lowest yards per carry in the league. That shouldn't really matter for the Dolphins, though. I mean, yes, it's a divisional game. against so divisional games are typically... Um, Typically, honestly, on the lower end of scoring, uh, spreads can sometimes be lower than you think, or the games can be closer than the spread is indicating because these opponents really know each other. So it could be a spot where the Patriots know the Dolphins. They're really good against the ground game. Maybe they shut down the Dolphins on the ground. Um, I would say that's still a low likelihood outcome. And while A-Chain remains out, you're starting Mostert every week. Uh, you're also obviously starting Tua, obviously starting Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle. I will say New England has just completely shut down opposing wide receiver ones this season. Diggs 
did score last week off that just embarrassing tackling effort by New England, but he had a tough game overall. He was definitely very inefficient. And besides that one play, they did basically shut him down. It only takes one play for Tyreek Hill. But I would say it's just a positive, like you're still playing Hill. It's a positive potential for Jalen Waddle. Maybe New England is able to at least slow down Tyreek Hill and force a few more targets to Jalen Waddle. So if you have Waddle, this could be the week where he finally goes off. I would get him in a starting lineups again, along with Tua, Tyreek Hill, and Raheem Mostert. On the Patriots side, very little to like. Uh, Stevenson grades out as you know their best option as a low-end running back too. Bourne can be played in the flex spot, especially in full PPR formats. He grades out relatively well. Um, both should theoretically also be in, I don't want to say good matchup, but better matchup because of trailing game script. Like Stevenson and Bourne could both rack up a lot of like garbage time receptions or just receptions in a trailing script if they have to go really pass heavy. Uh, but also New England could completely fall apart in this spot. So understand that the floor is still low for both of them. Falcons at Titans is up next. This game ties Jets at Giants as the lowest total game of the week at 36.5 points, and the Falcons are three-point road favorites. For the Falcons, uh, the Titans historically have had a very, very strong run defense. That is no different this season. They are a very negative matchup for running backs in fantasy, uh, but they've also allowed the seventh lowest yards per carry against them. Nothing will deter Arthur Smith from running the ball, though, so don't expect the Falcons to look at this matchup, think they need to alter their game plan. Uh, that's even more true now that Tannehill is out, right? The Titans side is going to be starting a rookie in Will Levis, and so the Falcons will look at that and be like, listen, our defense is good enough to shut him down, especially since they have really not very many skill players. I mean, they have Derrick Henry, but like they, they haven't been good. They haven't surrounded him in the passing game with a ton of options to shred them, right? So as long as they don't get destroyed by Derrick Henry, they can win this game relatively easily if they don't make mistakes. And so you'd think if they already want to run the ball, even if it's a bad matchup, just don't make mistakes. Don't put Ritter in a position to throw the ball around a lot, give up a pick six, and give up a game that you should be winning. I expect a pretty heavy run rate from the Falcons this week. Despite his illness last week on the one carry, I would imagine that Bijan is fine and healthy this week. That makes him, in my eyes, a must start. But I would not play Algier. I would not play Patterson. It would really just be Bijan for the running backs. And then, honestly, like because of what I'm expecting, you would think matchup-wise, London, Pitts, Janu are great plays. But if they still decide to lean run heavy, it could you know, have a situation where they're all efficient but that none of them are necessarily dominating in fantasy because the volume is sort of low. So London, wide receiver 25, Pitts tight end 9, Janu tight end 12. Um, but again, a lot of variance to that this week, and most of that variance is on the low end. On the Titan side, Falcons are a negative matchup for everyone except tight ends. Uh, Chig has not been used a lot. Um, I don't think... Uh, Vrabel loves him this season. He's had some negative comments to say about him. Uh, so I wouldn't play Chig. Uh, I don't think anyone really was relying on playing him. Uh, but it's a really bad spot for Will Levis. You're obviously not streaming him. Um, it really just is Derrick Henry. Play Derrick Henry every single week. He's honestly only running back two this week, but play him. Uh, and then Hopkins, if you need him at wide receiver three, second flex spot, play him. But really, I would only stick to Henry on that side. Like The Falcons actually have a pretty good defense. Uh, next up, we've got... Vikings at Packers, 43-point total. Vikings, one-point road favorites. 
for the Vikings. Jefferson will, of course, be out again. And so we've got a similar matchup or at least a similar setup, I guess, to what we saw on Monday night. Uh, what was very interesting in that game was how much Akers and Powell did play and how much opportunity they got. And they both looked really, really good. Powell is someone I actually like. Um, I don't know that he's going to be anything long term, but I think he's good. I don't think it was a fluke that he had production last week. I think he's going to continue to be utilized while Jefferson is out. And then Akers had looked good in his opportunities with the Vikings. It was just weird up until last week. They weren't really giving him many touches. Um, I think that, you know, given how good he's looked, given they finally used him last week, I think more touches are coming for him. This week, they take on a Packers defense that is best attacked on the ground. It is actually pretty difficult to move the ball against through the air. Shouldn't matter too much because whenever you have teams, unless they're like lights out, when you've got great passing attacks, they're going to figure out a way. I think the Vikings will probably figure out a way to move the ball through the air against the Packers. Um, but because of all of that, if we're expecting a split between Madison and Akers, I don't really trust either of them, but I guess you're going Madison for now, but I don't trust either one of them. Uh, both should rank outside the top 25 running backs for me this week. Madison is closer to running back 30, Akers closer to running back 40, but neither one of them is a great play. Um, the real story here is with Addison because, you know, I talked about Powell. That kind of takes away from Osborne. I mean, Powell's still not going to command a massive target share. Osborne is never going to command a high target share. And so we were waiting for Addison to break out. Finally, does Monday night, seven receptions, 123 yards, two touchdowns, making it his third straight game with a touchdown. He now has six on the season that's tied with Stephon Diggs just behind Tyreek Hill for second in the NFL. Uh, at this point, you're starting Addison every week, even when Jefferson does return. Uh, and then Hawkinson definitely play uh, Cousins. Grades as my quarterback nine. Uh, know that there's always a lower floor playing him without Jefferson, but he was great on Monday night against a very strong defense. If you've been playing Cousins, Keep playing him. And for the Packers side, uh, the Vikings have a very, very strong run defense. They've allowed the fifth lowest yards per reception in the league as well. Unfortunately, they've also allowed the second highest catch rate. So it's not that their pass defense is amazing at stopping everything. It's that they have a really good catch rate because they're forcing everything underneath. You have to drive the field consistently against them. I think it's a fine spot for Christian Watson. I think you're playing him if he's available. We have to just watch practice reports, though, for that one. And, like, that, you know, impacts a lot. If Watson plays, I probably wouldn't play Dobbs. I probably wouldn't play Jaden Reed. But if Watson is out, you could probably play Dobbs at, like, wide receiver three in that flex spot. And Jaden Reed would honestly be fine. Um, he would probably enter, like, the top 40 wide receivers, so he'd be playable. Uh, but yeah, you just have to watch practice reports. I don't know if Christian Watson is going to play yet. Uh, then Aaron Jones, um, he's going to grade out really, really well if they can just finally unleash him. I'm thinking he's going to be unleashed this week. But this whole team, it's like they've had all of these injuries. They've underperformed. It's like you almost want to just see these guys actually have a good game before playing them. But I think, again, Watson, play him if he's out there. Aaron Jones, play him if he's out there. Musgrave, if you have to stream him and he's available to play, play him. If he's out, don't cut any of the backup tight ends. Uh, but it's like you really want to see the Packers offense do something for playing a lot of them. But Watson and Jones, fine. I don't trust Dylan enough to play him. Final 1 o'clock game is going to be Rams at Cowboys. 45-point total. Cowboys, 6-point home favorites. For the Rams, Dallas is 
obviously a very difficult matchup, especially when they're at home and they're coming off of bye. Uh, the Rams have a strong offense, and if their offensive line can hold up, then it could be a nice back-and-forth game here. There's obviously a concern that the line doesn't hold up, though, and so we're not really playing secondary players on the Rams. Cup, Puka, both must starts, and Henderson grades out as a low-end running back, too. Yes, I know Henderson is back on the practice squad right now, but that's just like how it works, right? He's not signed to the 53-man roster, and also after the game, he's going to be automatically reverted back the practice squad i think you can do that three times don't quote me on that but it's around three times you can elevate they get sent down elevate sent down until you finally have to either decide to not sign them or to sign them to the 53-man roster um he'll likely stay on the practice squad this week be called up for the game and it's a fluid situation though like you know do they give zach evans more run do they call up gaskin now that he's been with the team longer like we just don't know so Check the reports on Saturday. My guess, though, is that like he and you know Freeman played well enough to where I think it's just going to be those two again. And if that happens uh, again, running back two for Henderson this week for Dallas. Uh, Pollard, Lamb, going to be weekly must starts. I don't care who they're playing. Got to play those two. Gallup and Cooks. They don't really get enough volume to be ranked inside my top fifty wide receivers this week. And then Ferguson. Came out really strong. He's seen kind of a steady drop-off in production. Only grades out as my tight end 17 right now. And then Dak is my quarterback 15, so it depends on what you have, but you might not have to go there as well. They are projected for two and a half touchdowns, which by you know 2023 standards isn't terrible. Uh, but the matchup isn't great. Uh, Rams defense has been way better than expected this season. So honestly, I'd stick with Pollard, Lamb. Uh, but if you had to go to Dak, had to go with Ferguson as fringe options, you can do that, especially at home. Uh, Dallas, even in tough matchups, Dallas can score 40. When they're at home and they get rolling, they can score a lot of points. And so if you had to decide between you know, a fringe option on Dallas and one like on the road as a touchdown underdog in a, a low total game, you pick the one on Dallas because they have a lot of upside for touchdowns. Four o'clock games kick off with Browns at Seahawks. This game has a low 39.5 point total, and the Seahawks are three-point home favorites. For the Browns, this is a bad spot as a road underdog in Seattle. Seattle also ranks third in yards per carry allowed, fourth in yards per reception allowed. Again, bad spot. Watson also can't stay healthy, so we're probably in another P.J. Walker start. No one on the Browns is an appealing play. Hunt can be used. I think he's going to play. He's not practicing right now, but it seems like he's going to play. Um, he can be used as a low-end running back, too. Amari Cooper can be used in the flex. Pierre Strong Super low-end option in, like, very, very deep formats, but probably don't need to go there. And then Elijah Moore, um, my wide receiver 41, so low-end wide receiver 3. Um, and Joku, low-end option. Like everyone, whatever they are usually, it's a very low-end option of that this week. It is not a good spot, and P.J. Walker is the quarterback. Uh, so, again, you don't need to play anyone on the Browns, but I would say Hunt, Cooper are fine. Then for Seattle, um, it's also an awful spot. I mean, the Browns have allowed the eighth lowest yards per carry. They forced a 17% decrease in catch rate. That is best in the league. Uh, terrible spot for wide receivers and tight ends. So you only play them if you have to. Um, it's also a bad spot for Ken Walker, but he's the fifth most featured running back over the last four weeks. He is sixth in expected fantasy points per game over that time. Expected lower floor than usual, but you have to play Ken Walker. And again, I would only go to these wide receivers on Seattle if you need them. Next up, Chiefs at Broncos, 46.5 point total. Chiefs, 8 point road favorites. For the Chiefs, this is the as good a matchup as you can get, obviously. Playing Denver, you'd prefer it at home, but still a great matchup. 
Uh, Denver ranks last in yards per carry allowed, eighth worst in yards perception, and last in catch percentage allowed. Uh, they are just an amazing matchup for everyone except for wide receivers, but they're still a positive matchup for wide receivers. Mahomes, Kelsey, Pacheco, all must starts. Rasheed Rice finally getting more consistent usage, so you can play him in the flex if you want to. Um, overall target share is still a little bit lower than we want from Rice, but it's trending up. So that's positive. Um, other than those four, I probably wouldn't start anyone in KC this week. Then for the Broncos, uh, the Chiefs are a negative matchup all around. Uh, Denver's also not a great team, so it's not an appealing spot. Javonta Williams are running back 32. Sutton, Judy are around my wide receiver 45. And then Jaleel McLaughlin is my running back 51. I'm projecting less than two offensive touchdowns here for Denver. So when we also factor in, they're probably not going to be overly efficient. If it's close between a Denver player and someone else, like a fringe option on Denver versus a fringe option on Dallas, take the Dallas side. I don't think a lot's going to happen for Denver this week. Next up, we have what should be one of the more exciting games of the week, Bengals at 49ers. The total is set at 45 points, 49ers, five and a half point home favorites. For the Bengals, this is a very difficult matchup. Uh, they're only projected to score 1.9 touchdowns. They'll be taking on a 49ers defense that is fifth in pass DVOA, second in yards per reception, and forces a 6% decrease in yards per carry. That being said, it's the Bengals. Uh, if they are pushed on offense and they are full, fully healthy, they can destroy in any matchup. I would play all of Burrow, Chase, Mixon, and Higgins. Higgins is the toughest call, and no projection system, even mine, is not going to project him well. So I'm not saying I haven't projected for a lot of points, but I do really think if I had Higgins, I have him in one league, have him in my dynasty league, I'm definitely playing him this week, even if it's just in the flex spot. Then for the 49ers, Similar story as in you're starting all of their studs in any matchup. I don't care who they're playing, uh, although this is a pretty good matchup. Bengals have allowed a 21% boost to yards per carry, 7% boost to yards per reception. Debo should also be um, out one more week, then they go on by. So we'll return after that. So you're starting McCaffrey, Ayuk Kittle, always when Debo is out. Juwan Johnson, viable as a wide receiver three in ultra deep formats, but you better be in at least a 14 team league to go there. Uh, and then also Purdy, I don't mention him a lot because he's a very low ceiling, high floor play, and we don't love those plays, but projects well this week. He's coming in as my quarterback 13 right now. Final four o'clock game is Ravens at Cardinals, 44 point total Ravens, eight and a half point road favorites. For the Ravens, uh, this is a great spot for everyone. Uh, they're projected to score three offensive touchdowns. That's really good. They face a defense that is below average against the pass, against the run. However they want to move the ball this week, they should be able to do so. I would imagine that they find their way into the upper 20s. Could definitely score 30 points this week. Lamar, Andrews, Flowers, all must starts in my eyes. While Gus is my running back 29, Hill is my running back 37 and the wide receivers behind flowers can definitely still be left on benches the running backs are fairly low ceiling plays since you know none of them are likely to score more than like or get more than like 13 to 15 opportunities mostly on the ground too but it's a great spot for touchdowns and the game script should be pretty positive and so i definitely like them more than i do most weeks then for the cardinals i would imagine that kyler is out again but confirm that obviously if he returned the boost to everyone this week assuming he's out because he's probably going to be out though uh, it's a very bad matchup the Ravens are a negative fantasy matchup for all positions and are especially tough to attack through the air they are first 
in yards per reception allowed, yards per pass attempt allowed, and pass defense DVOA. And, you know, they're not exactly easy to attack on the ground either. They're seventh in rush defense DVOA. So it's very difficult to move the ball against the Ravens. We saw the Lions struggle mightily last week. Uh, only three players that I have any interest in are... Amari DiMercato, uh, Marquise Brown, and Trey McBride. DiMercato is my running back 28. It is all a volume play. If he's featured again, he can be a low-end running back too, but only play that if you're desperate. Still not a great play. Uh, Marquise Brown, my wide receiver 43. Very low upside wide receiver 3 play. And then Trey McBride, uh, he's my tight end 15, only because Ertz is on IR. Very low-end streaming option. Not a lot of upside there as well. No one on the Cardinals is a good play this week. Sunday night game is going to be Bears at Chargers, 46.5 point total, Chargers 8.5 point home favorites. For the Bears, Fields will likely miss another week, and so we've got Taysen Bajan will be their starting quarterback again. Um, he's been pretty solid so far, but we have a pretty low sample size, right? It's like one and a half games, so we will see. Um, I would expect that they can't do the same thing as they did last week, too, and just run the ball at a huge rate because they're probably not going to win this game. Matchup overall is pretty strong, though. Chargers defense uh, is definitely disappointed this season, um, but obviously every single player on this team has a low floor because Bajan could easily just disappoint have an atrocious game like it's only going to be his second start of his career um i'd still play dj Moore wide receiver two cole commence fine as a low end tight end one uh but that's where i would stop in the passing attack uh roshan is practicing wednesday in all likelihood he will be cleared to play this week um so watch the reports definitely on the split what it's expected to be my guess right now it's 50 50 and it would lean towards if it's leaning one direction lean towards Foreman given how he's played but again we just have to see what they're saying this week and i'll adjust the rankings then for the chargers uh the bears grayed out as a really good matchup for running backs in terms of fantasy points allowed but they've actually forced the second lowest yards per carry and teams lean pass heavy on them because they have a very below average pass defense so you're starting Eckler, but it's not the smash matchup that it seems to be. It's actually a great spot for Herbert, Keenan Allen, and Joshua Palmer. I would start all three of them this week. Everett, fine, but he's got an 11% target share, so he doesn't grade out amazingly. Final game of the week, Monday Night Football, Raiders at Lions, 45.5 point total, Lions 8 point home favorites. For the Raiders, the Lions are a very poor matchup for running backs, and Jacobs has been unbelievably bad this season i've projected for a laughable 3.0 yards per carry this week uh, and he still projects his running back 13 right now because he's seeing really really strong volume but don't be shocked if he goes out there has 20 carries for 60 yards no touchdowns and has another bad game uh, and also don't be shocked if he has 12 carries right for like 36 yards and no score uh it's just not a good spot for him this week um the two that you want on the Raiders, I think you still have to start them, though, to be honest. Uh, two you want on the Raiders are Adams and Myers. They should be trailing. Those two get all the targets. I would play both of them this week. I would not play uh, Michael Mayer yet, but we're still keeping an eye on him. Then for the Lions, uh, I'm projecting 3.36 offensive touchdowns. They should be efficient no matter how they want to attack on the ground, through the air. Uh, Raiders can be beaten in any way. Uh, this is a massive bounce back spot. For the Lions, um, 
I don't think it's a lot that they score 30, but I wouldn't be surprised if they score 30, 34, 35 points this week. Montgomery should also miss one more game. So you're starting Amon St. Brown. You're starting Sam Laporta, Jameer Gibbs. Definitely get all of them in the starting lineups. And then Goff is viable as a quarterback streaming option. I'm ranked 10th right now, so it depends what else you have. But he is a really strong play. So that is a breakdown of all 16 games this week. That was a really long one. So hit the like button if you watched this far. And make sure you're subscribed if you're new here so you don't miss any of our future episodes. I'll be updating the rankings throughout the week. So check on Saturday and Sunday to see the most valuable take there on my website, thefantasyfootballadvice.com. That'll do it for this one. Thank you all for watching.